to Sunrise, your weekday podcast bringing you a fresh squeeze into Florida's news, politics, and culture. I'm your host, Tramel Gomes. At the Capitol, Naples Republican Kathleen Pasadomo gets tapped to become Florida's next Senate president. Members, thank you so much for placing your trust in me to lead this chamber. I'm honored, humbled, and for me, almost speechless. Christmas could be saved by Florida, according to Governor Ron DeSantis. Because ships are sitting off the coast somewhere else, and they can be rerouted here, and we can get all those, those uh, shelves stocked, then we want to be a part of that solution. So, so Florida is the way. And there is a push to change Florida's current law, which restricts certain individuals from getting compensation after a wrongful conviction. And we're the only state in the entire country that has a compensation law that makes someone ineligible uh, for compensation where they're wrongfully convicted, where they had an unrelated prior felony. Today's Sunrise interview is with Republican Representative Tracy Coster and Seth Miller, Executive Director of the Innocence Project of Florida, as they talk about their joint efforts to change Florida's exoneree compensation law. Also, with 900 manatee deaths so far this year, Fresh Take Florida reporter Elise Elder joins us to talk about what the state plans to do about it. We've got all that, including other top stories trending around the state and capital. Plus, we have your calendar of political events and more. But first, a word from our sponsor. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics. Following is a paid political advertisement paid for by Florida Education Champions. Online sports betting. It's legal and it's coming to Florida. With passage of our amendment next year, any tax revenues collected are required to supplement the Florida Educational Enhancement Trust Fund. Hundreds of millions of dollars in new revenue for students and teachers, with more choices and competition for Florida consumers. Be a champion today. Learn more and request your petition at FloridaEducationChampions.com. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, October 20th. Today's National Chicken and Waffles Day. Who knew? It's National Youth Confidence Day, where you can inspire today's youth for tomorrow's success, and it's Support Your Local Chamber of Commerce Day. On this day in 1964, former U.S. President Herbert Hoover died in New York City. Attorney General Janet Reno warned the TV industry to limit the violence in their programs. That happened in 1993. And in 1994, the website WhiteHouse.gov was launched. It was a celebratory occasion in the Florida Senate in honor of newly elected Senate President-designate Kathleen Pasadomo. As we all know, Senator Pasadomo is a strong conservative. She's a defender of the taxpayer. She believes in limited government. That's Republican Senator Gail Harrell paying tribute to Pasadomo. Current Senate President Wilton Simpson, who will remain on the job for a year, also shared stories about working with his colleague. She cares about the needs of others, mental health, affordable housing, early learning, um, to name a few. She has an incredible work ethic from dusk to dawn, as we say, and as a majority leader, and Kathleen was our majority leader under President Galvano, you have to learn which senators can you call at 2 a.m., 1 a.m., and which ones do you start calling at 5 a.m. to get something completed, right? Um, When I was majority leader, you can call Kathleen on either ends of that spectrum. Thank you, President Simpson. I have incredibly big shoes to fill. You have been leading this chamber with heart, conscience, a steady hand, mixed in with your special brand of humor and humility. 
I'm proud to be a member of your leadership team. Speaking to reporters after she was formally nominated, Pasadomo shared her thoughts on the historical moment, being the third woman to hold the title. And I, I'm looking forward to working with everybody, but I'm not doing it just because I'm a woman. I, I, I hope to be a role model for uh, younger women coming behind me, and I hope to be able to turn this pin over to some uh, other woman someday in the Senate, and I hope the House will, uh, will uh, elect a uh, female speaker, I think. When it comes to the idea of expanding the Republican majority in the coming term, Pasadomo says she's unsure. I made a commitment. I am not involved in the redistricting process. I've not gone on the website. I'm not. I don't discuss it. Um, I don't. Uh, in fact, you know, I, I'm as mum as even uh, uh, Chair Rodriguez because I, I want to stay out of it because my role will be to get my colleagues reelected to the Senate. Um, expanding, I don't know, because I don't know what the maps are going to look like. And until the maps are completed, I won't know what my options are. At 68 years old, Pasadomo is Senate President-designate for the 2022-2024 legislative term. Governor Ron DeSantis was in Jacksonville Tuesday touting the capacity and manpower of Jacksport to handle all of the container ships sitting on hold offshore. We in Florida... Uh, have the ability uh, to help alleviate these log jams and help to ameliorate the problems with the supply chain. And DeSantis says all of Florida's ports can help out the country when it comes to moving products and saving Christmas. We have to make sure people can go Christmas shopping as normal. We have to make sure that all the, all the necessities uh, are there. Imagine spending 37 years in prison for a crime you didn't commit. That's the story of Robert Earl Dubois, who was convicted of rape and murder of a Tampa woman when he was 18. The charges were dropped against him, and his conviction was thrown out last September. Dubois is trying to get the state of Florida to compensate him for his time behind bars. He, along with others, are ineligible because of prior convictions unrelated to the one that had him in prison for 37 years. We're joined by Republican Representative Tracy Coster and Seth Miller, Executive Director of the Innocence Project of Florida, as they talk about their joint efforts to change Florida's exoneree compensation law. Welcome to Sunrise. Representative Tracy Coster, you filed House Bill 241 to make changes to Florida's exoneree compensation law, such as removing a clean hands provision. What does that mean and what are the changes that you're hoping to see? Sure. So, you know, I'm really excited to work on this great bipartisan issue. It's an opportunity to to work on something that's really not politics, but but dealing with people's lives. And this clean hands provision is is a really important part of the bill. And what it does is it removes the bar for an exoneree to seek compensation based on a prior criminal conviction. So under the current law, if a, an exoneree had, a, had more than one prior felony, they would no, no longer be eligible for compensation. And this bill would remove that bar um, to allow for compensation for people that are wrongfully convicted of a separate crime. Why hasn't this issue gained traction so far? I understand there have been several tries at getting this change to go forward. Yeah, I mean, so I can't speak to what's happened prior to my time here in the legislature, obviously. And, you know, last session, I know the bill was filed and it was an issue that I was interested in and and interested learning more about. But, you know, it wasn't the right bill at the right time. Uh, You know, I don't 
I can't speak to all of the intricacies and maybe Seth can provide some further historical perspective, but, you know, I think now is the time. I think I'm the right person for the job. I don't do criminal law, but I am a lawyer and, you know, I am certainly in tune with the importance of getting this issue right. Seth Miller with the Innocence Project. Where does Florida stand when it comes to this issue compared to other states? I think Florida stands sort of in the mainstream in terms of the uh, amount of money per year that's provided for exonerees uh, who are eligible under the law. Um, There are some states that provide more, many states who provide less. Um, I think the big issue is where Florida is out of the mainstream, as uh, Representative Kotzer said, is this clean hands provision. We're the only state in the entire country that has a compensation law that makes someone ineligible uh, for compensation where they're wrongfully convicted, where they had an unrelated prior felony or more than one unrelated prior felony conviction. We're the only state that has that. So um, the history is that for many years, we've been trying to get it um, pulled out. We've run this bill a lot of times, uh, made progress over the years. And I think it's just been an education effort um, for uh, the legislature to understand this issue. And we've done a pretty good job of that. So I'm, I'm thrilled, you know, I have Representative Costa's leadership in the House this year to hopefully take us over the finish line uh, this year. Um, and, you know, we're just excited to have the opportunity to be able to fix this problem. And I understand you also have a Senate sponsor that just came on. Tell us about that. Yeah, we have um, Senator Perry is uh, representing uh, or repping this bill um, in, in the Senate. And so we have uh, two great sponsors who I think are committed to this issue and um, really are hopefully be able to take us over the finish line this year. We're excited for it. What does a person have to do to file a claim? What's the current process for those who don't know about this issue? What what do they have to do to ultimately get compensation? Well, the statute provides a process where someone has to actually file a petition for compensation in the court where they were originally convicted and sentenced on the crime that they've been exonerated on. And so um, they have to do that within really a short period, within 90 days. So that leads to one of the other problems Um, with the bill is that it counts that 90 days from the date that someone's conviction was vacated, um, which doesn't really match the process that it takes to get someone exonerated. Because sometimes, you know, the person exonerated on the day their conviction is vacated and everything works out okay, we get the petition filed on time. But for others, um, you know, they're back in court, the state might take some time to decide whether to drop the charges. They may take more than 90 days, maybe even a year. And that would mean that their case is not resolved at the time their uh, fi- time for filing compensation expires. And so one of the things that we're looking to fix in this law is to one, run that time from when the case is actually resolved, when they're actually exonerated, which makes more sense, and also make it a two-year time period so that it really gives someone sufficient time to get a lawyer to help them with this filing, because it is a legal proceeding and they do need representation in order to get it done. Representative Koster, what stories have you heard of those who are really trying to go through this process? Sure. So, you know, we've we've all heard the stories um, of the horrific stories of these people spending their the bulk of their lives incarcerated for something they didn't do. You know, I know everybody is familiar with uh, Mr. Dubois from Tampa and, and his story. And, you know, quite frankly, I, until I started learning about the issue through my role in the legislature, you know, I was, I was ignorant. Uh, and I'm really excited now to use my role in the legislature to try to, to do good and do right. You know, the number one thing that we need to do as a state when we're, you know, 
involved in the justice system is we need to get it right. Um, and, you know, like all systems on the rare occasions when we don't get it right, we need to make it right. And I really look forward to being able to to do that through this legislation. Well, thank you both for taking this time to speak with me. Goodbye. Thank you, thank you Cheryl. Here's your calendar of events. The House Secondary Education and Career Development Subcommittee will receive a presentation on dropout prevention and academic intervention programs. That's at nine. The Senate Agriculture Committee will hold a discussion about challenges facing the state's farmers. That's at 10. The House Local Administration and Veterans Affairs Subcommittee will receive a presentation from the Department of Veterans Affairs about mental health and suicide prevention services. That's at 11. Both congressional maps and legislative maps are being reviewed in two separate House committees at the same time at 1 p.m. The House Government Operations Subcommittee will consider a proposal filed by Representative Tracy Davis that would create a public records exemption for the names of people who win lottery prizes of $250,000 or more. That's at 4. Beyond the Capitol, the State Board of Education is scheduled to meet in Central Florida. The Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services will hold an online farm-to-school conference that is part of an initiative to increase the use of local food in schools. The Florida Commission on Offender Review will meet to review parole issues, and the South Florida Water Management District will hold a workshop about a plan to address sea level rise and flood resiliency. More than 900 manatees have died so far this year, and state officials are figuring out how to stop the problem. Fresh Take Florida reporter Elise Elder has been tracking this story and joins us for our second Sunrise interview to share the latest. Elise Elder, welcome to Sunrise. I am looking at one of your stories, which is covering the issues of Florida's manatees. They seem to have been having a very tough time this cycle with a lot of manatee deaths. What's going on? Yeah, um, this year, 2021, we've actually seen more than 900 manatees die so far. Um, And it's actually concerning because it's coming in the winter months where they come to uh, escape to the, the springs where they feed on seagrasses. But there's a problem because of a common phenomenon known as red tide. There's certain fertilizers or runoff yards and uh, farms that cause these algae blooms. So the DeSantis administration has proposed um, $4 million to help these efforts. A lot of the funding is actually going to uh, acute care networks where they are actually helping the current disease manatees that are suffering at the moment. So we hear of this proposal by the DeSantis administration of $4 million. What else is there to to help solve this crisis? The FWC is proposing that they spend an additional $7 million in the legislative budget of 2022, which will go to restoring these seagrasses in the springs where the manatees come in the winter months to, to the warmer waters. Special thanks to Elise Elder with Fresh Take Florida. Finally, as you jumpstart your day, thanks for tuning in for today's Sunrise. I'm Tramel Gomes, inviting you to join us again tomorrow for a fresh squeeze into Florida's news, politics, and culture. Music